Hello listeners, before we start the show, I wanted to tell you a little bit about New Stages. New Stages is the new regular newsletter from respected theatre critic Scott Matthewman. Uh, He's a wonderful supporter of our podcast and he started this wonderful new piece each week based around how theatre and the arts are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. How is the arts going to change in the future? How is theatre going to adapt to the new desire for online streaming and content? And what has he enjoyed in the week from the world of the arts? And lots of discussions around that too. It's completely free. So that's New Stages by Scott Matthewman. You can subscribe now on newstages.substack.com. That's newstages.substack.com. It's completely free, he's wonderful, so make sure you subscribe. Now, to this week's episode, which was recorded in December 2020. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. We are the podcast that takes you behind the audition room doors, swings them wide open and shows you just what happens inside a casting when moments don't quite go to plan. My name is Christopher Bartlett-Walford. I am your host of the show and each week a guest from the world of entertainment on stage or off joins me to dive into our listener submission email pile of the week and share with you the best stories that we get sent. They're all anonymous. No one's getting shamed here. We are putting an arm around you and reminding you it's all right for things to go wrong. And this week we are bringing on a wonderful actor and casting director, Emma Norman from Maven and Associates. And I cannot wait to get another casting director's point of view out into your ears about when things don't quite go to plan. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome to the madness. It's a really fun hour or so. We hope you enjoy it. Make sure you tweet along to us. We're at Don't Call Us Pod and Insta Stories as well. Don't Call Us Pod. Tag us. We want to see your reaction faces as you listen to the stories, as we make you laugh and as we remind you not to stress about these times. And if you're not a performer listening to this, then hopefully you just get a good insight about what really goes into a process of auditioning for a production. If you're listening to the show and you think that you have a story that we need to hear and that we can share on the show, then email it to us as soon as you can. Don't call us pod at gmail.com. Our first batch of shows back in 2021 have some superb guests from the world of the West End, Broadway, comedy, internet fame and beyond. So get on it as soon as you can. So let's let's all enjoy Emma's episode together. I always start the show by asking our guests what auditions mean to them. Do they get stressed? Do they look forward to it? Are they terrified of them? What happens when they get that email or send that email off? So let's see what Emma's answer is as we ask her what she's like in auditions. Please enjoy the show, tweet along, and I will see you at the end for some very exciting news. Enjoy Emma Norman! Okay, so, um, yeah, Christopher, it would depend on which side of the table I'm on. Um, (laughs) If I am the casting director... The word I would use to assess that situation, it would be thrilling. Yeah. Thrill, thrilling is the word. I I am the biggest geek when it comes to admin. Like I'm on top. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's people at school who, who would hate to write an essay and I would be the person who'd like, give me an essay on Jane Eyre, I'll do it. That's how I am with admin for auditions. I love the admin. I love emailing people to tell them that they're being seen. I love ringing the agents. The whole prep of it is a massive buzz to me. Cell tapes coming in, everything. And an actual audition situation is, it's a bit like Christmas morning for me. Mm -hmm. It's not just the meeting of the performers, it's the meeting of the people. I just love meeting new people as as well as meeting talent. When they're a talented new person, that's that's even more of of a gift. But just to meet new people in this industry is always a, a great thrill for me. Um, with regards to being on the other side of the table, as a performer, I am not quite as uh, cool a customer, I would say. <laughs> I, 
I'm one of those people that overthinks, you know, as every situation. I overthink what's going to happen in the room. I overthink what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I wish I could be a bit more laid back in that respect. When I run, I run audition masterclasses sometimes, and I say to all these young students, you know, don't overthink it. <laughs> don't overthink what you're doing in that room. <laughs> yeah, all of this, all of this, all of this try. And then I walk in as a performer, and I'm just like them. You know, there is no easy way to um, to approach a door when you yeah. don't know what's on the other side of that door. We're not, you know? qu- not quite good at following our own advice. As well. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I think that's why I get a lot of loving feedback from people that come in for me that it doesn't feel like a formal situation. It doesn't feel intense. I I, I like to sit them people down, it, you know, budget and time allowing. Yeah. I like to get people on a chair in front of us and we chat about them and their life and who they are what makes them tick a little bit yeah. before they perform. Obviously, sometimes you can't do that because, you know, you've got only a few hours at the umbrella rooms and you've got to be in and out and, you know, you've got a budget, haven't you? But um, if if my client is the same way as I am and likes to do it that way, then that's what I try and do. Um, but, yeah, thrilling. I mean, even, even when you perform, right, it's thrilling, isn't it? You know, we're lucky yeah. to... We're lucky... To, to live a life where we live on adrenaline, where all of it is yeah. excitement and adrenaline. Uh, you know, the phone call, the email, the the meeting, you know, the feedback, every part of it is just a little bit more excitement, little Lego bricks of our life that build up. And that's an analogy, isn't it? <laughs> From Monday morning. I just think all of it is, it, it's its petrifying, but it's also living. You feel like you're really living when you're a performer. Yeah. I, I think it's really fun to do both. And we've, again, we've said it countless times on the show. If you ever get the opportunity as a performer to be on a casting panel or the other side of it, or even run for an audition... Do it because it will open yeah. up your eyes to every stage of it and you will appreciate everything so much more and you'll enjoy it so much more because you know how that feels the other side. And you know, going into a panel, if they come and meet you, you know that they're sat there really excited to meet you. Absolutely. Well, last year, I I think it was last year, I've lost track of where who, we are. Who knows what year it, it might is. Have been, it might have been 2008. No, no, it was definitely last year. I cast um, Heartbeat of Home at the Piccadilly Theatre in, in London. Um, I was very lucky I got the chance to cast the vocalist element of that mm. production and for the Riverdance team. And I knew that my brief was to find the most amazing black female vocalist, soulful, phenomenal, um, charismatic and I thought who do I know that could come and sit on the panel with me that is that person but can't do it because they're in something else at the moment and so Rachel John came oh what a voice um what, what a voice what a voice and what a lady like yeah. she's just just it's an absolute dream so she came and she sat on the panel with me um for the first day where the day of opens and a day of privates and she came and sat on the day of opens for me and at the end of, and she was great she she gave them feedback and she worked through stuff with them and and it was a real thrill for them to have her in the room as well when they, they weren't expecting her to be there they thought it'd be maybe me and an associate and then they're faced with you know olivier nominated rachel john um, <laughs> It was it was lovely, and after everyone had left, she was like, "Oh, Emma, thank you so much for today because it's so helpful to her as a performer to see it from the other side." Yeah. It, it is, isn't it? And it, and it, and to hear somebody of of that caliber saying that as well just proves Absolutely. the point, really, doesn't yeah. it? It's it, it's it's genuinely was my favorite thing when I was a gig in you know auditioning theatre performer mm-hmm. and working casting as well. It helps. It helps you. It helps you understand everything so you know and and again it's it's if you see someone that you maybe know on the panel that isn't necessarily on the casting side of things all the time it kind of fills you with a bit of what are you doing there yeah yeah. a couple of the a couple of the really younger girls that rocked up were really quiet and i was like this is obviously from hamilton you'll have seen him recently in hamilton this is rachel job and they just couldn't believe that they were (laughs) blasting out their songs to her and that was a really lovely moment actually for for me that day to 
be able to introduce some real newcomers to someone of her calibre yeah. at their audition, you know. And to get a little help from her as well. And, and, and to and... get a little, well, she's always, whenever I need her for anything, she's at the end of a, she's at the end of a WhatsApp. We'll have yeah. to get Rachel on the show. We'll have she to should, do it. You know, well, she's we had, fantastic. We had uh, David and Josh from Songs for a New World. So right, we'll, have to, we'll have to complete the circle, get Cedric. Yeah, we'll do yes, it. We'll get yeah, everyone okay. in. And Rachel Tucker. I might just rock up at the show and just hold a microphone and hope that they want to talk. <laughs> right. Let's tell you oh, which one to start with. So anyone anyone listening to the show for the first time, just a reminder that every story that I uh, share with Emma has been sent in by someone who listens to the show. They are anonymized where necessary, unless the, the name or the show name is uh, integral to the actual story we'll, we'll we'll take those out so no one can be identified but they're all true they all happened and my god did i burn up when i started reading them as well oh, <laughs> well i'm gonna start with one that actually you sent me from that, that got sent into you on twitter the other day because i think yes. this is a really this is not not good behavior i would say Absolutely. and being in the casting side of things a lot of the time I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, Emma. Okay, go on. <laughs> so this comes in from a, a friend of yours. Is that right? Yes, a very uh, a very old friend who's still still in my life. She sent this one in to, to me to pass to you. Yeah. So, listeners, oh god, <laughs> it's so oh god. Years ago, I auditioned for a UK tour. I got through to the dance school and was recalled to sing. I went in with my music and talked the pianist through. Whilst I was doing this, the celebrity leading man strolled in with a young lady on his arm and proceeded to sit at the panel table. He was to star in the tour and I believe he perhaps was involved as a producer too. As I introduced my song, he stared right through me, put his feet up on the table and opened his newspaper in front of his face and spent the entire song chatting to the lady and giggling from behind the newspaper. Needless to say, I did a really awkwardly bad audition and didn't get the job. But I've not been able to tolerate anything with the celebrity leading man in it ever since. Gosh. <laughs> oh, now. Oh. Now. There's a lot wrong with that. <laughs> wrong with that why 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 would you do that why would that person do that and yes listeners we do know who it is we and do no, know who it is we are not telling you we're not going to say <laughs> i don't i don't know i think sometimes fame can have a such an effect on people can't it and they, they can forget sometimes where they came from you know yeah. you know and you know 20 years before they would have been in in the position of yeah. of my colleagues stood yeah. in front of all those people and and it's you know it's very easy to get to the top of your game but it's also very easy to fall and now my colleague who wrote in is very kind of well respected in the theater industry and mm -hmm. um very connected and you never know if that celebrity could have fallen down the ladder a touch and, and had to walk into a room again oh. as a jobbing actor and that person could have been on the other side of the desk. Karma! You never know. You know, well, you never know, do you? Everybody no. does so many things now. You know, you do directing and casting and yep. writing and acting and it's the same with me. It's the same with a lot of people. People are spreading their fingers everywhere, Now more, now more than ever as well, ever Since the pandemic. We have so to. You never know who... It's going to be on the other side of a door when you walk in for an audition. At whatever age you are, it could be someone you've you've been vile to twenty years ago. You just don't you don't know, do you? You have to be so careful in this industry. And just just like she says, clinging on to it as well. Yeah, absolutely she... clinging on. And it's such a shame that that is the memory of that person that sticks into the because head and the mind isn't it it really is because that without saying the name of that, that person they're now seen as kind of a national treasure in this country a little bit oh and it's a shame that 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 you know someone out there feels that negative about them now yeah and i'm and i'm sure if if they were in that situation as a producer or a star of a show now it would be a very different story and as uh, her, they have moved on and, yeah. and treat their treat their you know aspiring cast members performers and company members with a a, a very natural respect and, and and enthusiasm as genuinely i'm sure they do now but but that proves the point that you just have to be nice to everyone 
either side of the table. Because you don't you don't know who you're talking you don't know. to either. You don't know. You don't you know. You could be sat on a train next to someone who is the right hand man of Cameron Macintosh. In this day and age, you never know who people are, what their contacts are, what they can do for you, how they can help. We've all been on a train leaving pineapple or something after an audition and then like you jump on the tube at covent garden because you can't be asked to walk the three minutes to leicester square which is a better tube yeah. station and you <laughs> and you hear a performer go yeah yeah, yeah. It, was, it was great yeah they really liked me yeah uh, no i don't yeah. think so no they were all rubbish uh. yeah, and you just you think yeah ah, and you hide you and you, yeah and also these people who take to twitter to to talk you know to to talk about their audition or how they've done you know they don't realize that the eyes, there's eyes everywhere, isn't there? Yeah, you know? I, I'm all, I'm all for expressing yourself, and and we're all people and stuff. But it's, it's always, it's always useful. Don't look at my Twitter. It's always <laughs> useful <laughs> to, to, to just be cautious when you're talking about jobs and and uh, or, or immediately after you've gone into the room. You know, email it to a podcast ten years later. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We're here to remind you that if if something goes wrong. It's all right. It doesn't matter. But absolutely treating yeah. potential performers like that with a lack yeah. of respect of just even bloody looking at them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Disgraceful. Yeah. Oh, we start. We started. We kicked off today with a definite I, not to do. I like. I that. always pay everybody the utmost respect when they're yeah. stood in front of my table. I, even if they're a bit funny or there's something a bit wacky going on or it's not quite <laughs> what I'm looking for. I mean, the guts it takes to. To stand on the other side of that door in the first place and walk in is massive. So that's that's the thing that I hear time and time again when talking to casting professionals on on all you know whether it's on on here on Don't Call Us or in my agent work. Yeah, is every single casting person understands how difficult it is to just step into that room, and I think that's something that uh, our performers listening to this can really take from it mm. and remind themselves that. Everyone gets how difficult this is for you. So go out and so. give it your all because I, you're, you've already won by being able to walk through that door. And absolutely. Yes, there are ways that we can maybe make situations as an industry, certainly after a global pandemic of no work yeah. for over a year, we yeah. can make them much more welcoming and much more warm and, and hospitable for you. But simply not looking behind your paper with your friend during yeah. an audition There's... that you're going to be the star. It's, that's terrible. So no one's going to do that now. I think if the performer's gone to the effort to prep what I've sent them, then I should go to the effort to respect every second that they're in that room for me. Absolutely. And, and I always say to people that when you walk into the room, the casting director really is your only friend in that room. Yeah. Really. Well, and the pianist, perhaps. But yes. mostly the CD is your friend because they are putting their rep on the line to put you in front of that client. To you, that they are that you are their child. You are their stage child. <laughs> and when you're singing, I was I, I, I'm sat with a client like you know when I did the Riverdance um, thing in London, I was sat next to the whole the whole full team of Riverdance, all the big wigs, John and and uh, you know all the team, and the girls came in that that I'd selected to show them and. Every single one he performed, it was like I was stood next to them holding their hand invisible. Oh, I like that. Because I was just so, come on, I know what you can do. I've seen your self-tapes. We've, we've done all of this prep, ready to get you in front of this team. Let's show them what you've shown me. And it's, um, yeah, the casting director is your friend. I know some people could walk in and think the casting director is the enemy or or they've got to prove something or whatever, but it's not. The casting director is just willing you to be the absolute best you could be because they, they wouldn't have brought you in otherwise. You know? There was a there was a, a someone who I auditioned for once and I got told, uh, this was going back a long time ago, so mm. I, I don't know if they're still working in the industry. Um, well, I do. <laughs> uh, this is, I, that's a lie I completely do they, this is going back a while now mm. and I got told that if they don't look at you you've done well if they yeah. look at you you, sh you need to panic because it's going wrong and right. they looked at me halfway through a song that I was singing it was a really nice lyrical ballad it was perfect for the show I was auditioning for and I did it and I got to the, the soaring kind of G's at the end mm. and they looked up from behind my CV and I just panicked and started 
shaking they looked at you. chaotically because it had been drilled into me by my then agent that if they look at you, yeah. that's a problem. And I was just like, how on earth can you put that into someone's no. head that a casting team, like you need to panic and worry about what they think of you if yeah. they look at you? Gosh. Well, 23 years ago, I got to the finals of Les Mis and there must have been 13 people behind that desk. And no, nobody watched me, Christopher. So why am I, why am I not in it? Where did I go wrong? Where did it, I go wrong? Might, might not work for everybody, but that was that, that, was that one maybe, person. Maybe it's a new thing. I don't know. So, Emma, tell me, tell me of a time from either your acting or your casting life where something on audition day didn't quite go to plan okay so I think the first professional audition I went for was when I was 18 I didn't train at a London drama school like a lot of the people that you've um chatted to I went to regional uh I did BTEC in Blackpool and then I did a HND in Manchester and then I think it was 1992 and Joseph was on at the Palladium and Lindsay Haightley was in it. You know, the one with uh, Jason and then Philip. Oh, Smith. yes. Well, Lindsay Haightley was the narrator. And I'm from the generation of performing arts girls who thought, who saw Lindsay Haightley, heard that cast recording and thought, bang, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be Lindsay Haightley. Off we go. I even had my hair cut, like, as you can see. The same, the same. <laughs> I told her that on Twitter once. She loved it. And then... <laughs> Um, so yeah, my friend says, there's opens at the Palladium, let's go. So she said, and I said, well, I'm not a dancer, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, a bit, I'm, I'm not of the aesthetic that would be required for Joseph. I've always been a, you know, a Rubenesque young lady. And she was like, no, come on, they'll be, they'll, they'll want, they'll be looking for a new narrator, won't they soon? <laughs> of course they weren't, but. I was like, all right. Just so go for it. On. Go for yeah, it anyway. Um. I went anyway. So we went on the train to the Palladium and we were taken onto the stage in groups of 20. And Anthony Van Last was there. I didn't know it at the time that it was Anthony Van Last, but obviously now at the age of 46, I fully appreciate that it was <laughs> <laughs> some, some really, some, some dude was in front of us. And then a lovely goddess type woman with a triple barreled surname, a double barreled surname, taught us this beautiful bar ballet routine and uh, no singing, just ballet, Christopher. And I just kind of huh. did, a, did a Dawn French crab move <laughs> to, get, to get off the stage and went back to the dressing room and thought, what am I? And it got to the end of the day and they, they started asking us while we're queuing for our equity numbers. Oh, and yeah, back said, here. We're only, we're only going to see people with an equity card. So we, my friend and I, Marley, just made up <laughs> we're on this form, we just wrote g529873 like we didn't even have equity cards we we're still at college we were like we're not going back to we're not going back to blackpool without doing this so we just made up our equity numbers that was back in 92 yeah that was back in that would have been back in the time where and and, and you know our, our, our younger graduate friends who listen to the show and certainly will be listening to this episode won't understand you you couldn't just join equity Oh no! You had to have a you know a, a real catalogue yeah, of work. Yeah, on you, had, you had to build up your work portfolio enough to be allowed to join Equity and get yeah. your Equity card. It was a big deal. That was their way, really, because they had so many young people roll up for that day. That was their way. They knew they would that they would cut quite a lot of people out by by saying we were like, no way, I'm not getting that train back to Blackpool. <laughs> 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 we're not getting on that stage. So yeah, that was horrific. We always laugh about that, Marley and I. She got quite through quite a few rounds because she was a beautiful dancer. But no, I, I waited. Uh, I waited in a dressing room for her while she. You you crabbed off stage and walked into the Little Mermaid next door instead. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's a great story, though. Oh no! Yeah. And the thing is, it, again, we've said this so many times, and even back then, coming all the way down. Yeah for that experience and that being what's going to stick in your head. Yeah, because when, when you're 18 and you're, especially then, and you're from like a, you know, a regional, you know, I'm from a village on the outskirts of Blackpool and I I didn't really have a concept of what was required down down there. Mm. What, you know, the, the level of what was expected. I've never seen a West End show when mm. I jumped on that train. There's that, 
that north-south divide coming into play again there <laughs> very bit of bit of satire there for you <laughs> very topical yeah, well, I, remember, I just remember the stage being really like it was set it was set for joseph were you on the palladium and, stage yeah we were on the oh, palladium wow. stage and it was like, like really foamy it was like cushiony foamy weird feeling that's one of the main things i remember about the humiliation is the main thing i remember <laughs> <laughs> Number two, oh, yeah. That... yeah, there was lots of that. There was lots of humiliation. There was humiliation. I met Anthony Van last, and there was a foamy floor, <laughs> and we got a pizza hut before we got the train home. That was oh, my man. Classic London and, special restaurant there. And Lindsay Hately's career was safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I wonder yeah. how many. I wonder how many people listening to this were also at that. Audition. At that day, I know. <laughs> That's why we like stories from the auditionee's perspective. There's no, yeah. there's no, this happened to someone else in the call. What an ass they were! It oh, isn't that God. kind of show. And do you know what the worst part was? You need to put this in, Christopher. I will. I will. Everyone else, everyone else looks so funky, and I had my regional um, B Tech Performing Arts sweatpants on. You know the black yes, ones. That were, yes. You know, <laughs> you know, and my little jazz <laughs> shoes. I'm a little, oh, you know, I'm a little lamest t-shirt. Oh, yes. Emma. Emma, Emma, Emma. Ah, professional, professional, professional <laughs> watches the kids from fame. Okay, professional, there we go. This uh, auditionee was auditioning for a concert um, of uh, music by a very famous writing duo. Nice, nice okay. classical musical theatre, traditional musical theatre, let's say. Okay. <laughs> I love, oh God, I love this so much because this is, this is something that I would do and completely read the room wrong. Right. She starts, I had this audition for a concert of music by a very famous writing duo. It was in this beautiful old hall, high ceilings, big windows and a gorgeous reverb fueled acoustic. Oh, I love that. I started my song and I was really feeling it. I got to the climax of the piece, a lovely high powerful belt and bam, my voice cracked. Just mm. a little bit right at the top of the phrase. Mm. Now, the acoustics, what they were, meant it was absolutely obvious. It wasn't huge, but it was enough of a crack to really stand out. And these things happen every now and again, and it's fine. It's not great, but you get by. But it wasn't the fact that I cracked or the sound that was the issue. It was my recovery. Uh. I audibly gasped as it happened, stopping singing and making a kind of... Ah! Kind of yelp without thinking. I got back into it, finished the song, and the panel looked utterly unimpressed and sat there in silence. Mm. So I broke the ice by saying, oh, sorry, I got my crack out there. <laughs> <laughs> and spun around and wiggled my bum in the general direction to try and make them laugh and smile. I instantly regretted my decision. I clocked eyes with a pianist who kind of slunk down behind his keyboard to avoid the embarrassment leaking out of me. So I slowly backed away out of the room, eyes to the panel, and obviously did not get the part. Cracking. I'm sorry I got my crack out. Hashtag, I'm sorry I got... To be fair, that's oh. the sort of nonsense that spills from my mouth when, I, when I'm... I, I would have absolutely wet myself if that had happened. Firstly, oh. if you break, if you, your voice cracks in the middle of it, warm up a little bit more. But if your voice cracks, that's fine. It's how you but recover from fine. it. And I, I would say going, oh, and, and like, clearly that doesn't happen very often. Carrying on, finishes the song. That's all right. We could always get you to do the phrase again. Yes, absolutely. The panel shouldn't have sat there absolutely stony faced. You, you know, encourage the performer if there's a, yeah. a, a mistake for want of a better absolutely. phrase. Absolutely. But that, if you'd have said that to me, oh. I would have run up and kissed you. I think that would I that I would have made my adorable. day. I'd have been straight on my WhatsApp to my friends <laughs> and said, listen to what this legend has just said to me. Get her in. You're going to hear quotes like this. She might not be right for this, but I'm casting Panto in six yeah. months' time. <laughs> and I want her with my team. Yeah, I know this was a Rodgers and Hammerstein concert at the Royal Albert Hall, yeah. but get your crack out is yeah. worth seeing you again. Are so... you available for Woodland Fairy in, in Jack and the Beast? <laughs> There's a joke about a Woodland Fairy there, Emma, but I'm not going there, so it's fine. <laughs> but that's another thing, isn't it? You know, sometimes you'll meet someone in an audition and they're just not right, and then you just put them in their little shelf somewhere and you're like, you're contacting their agent in a few weeks' time exactly. and saying, can they do this? 
you know exactly and that and that happens again that's it, it's not something that people just say you, you look, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. You look at your body of work. You like with Maven. It very. It's it's been joyful watching you still work to, towards casting things during the pandemic. Thank you. There might be people that people send you that aren't quite right after reading the brief and and seeing their tape for what you want. Mm. That's fine because it means you're not right for it. It's not you're not good enough for it. Mm. But I know because this is the kind of casting director you are that you will file them away, I and do. you will save them, and you will go. Now I'm doing Panto next year. This yeah. person's great. Or now I'm doing a, a concert where I need a choir or something. You know, yeah. there's, there's lots of different opportunities that different casting directors are able to offer a, a out. Lot, a lot of the people I met towards the final year of working for Live Nation um, before the pandemic, I remembered. And then when I was asked to cast um, After Hours West End, the live stream series during yeah. the beginning of pandemic, I called on quite a few of those guys to be part of, of that. There we go. So, yeah, there's always, I always keep people tucked away. Yeah, in, and it, you know, it's, <clears throat> you, you, you get it all, all all stages of your career as well. It might be that you've literally done a fringe show with them five years ago, but remembered that they had a certain soprano or a certain quality to their soprano voice that then you're, I don't know, Absolutely. recording a soundtrack to a new theme park ride and you go, well, I need somebody who's going to, soar over the top or hear that particular yeah. vibrato or something and, and absolutely you know. i um i worked at granada studios uh 20 oh, 25 wow. years ago as a as a vocalist a production vocalist there before we all got made redundant when they moved it to media city salford yeah yeah so um i met a, a fantastic actor there called keith de winter who's gone on to be in, in Star Wars films and do all sorts of wonderful things as a, as a, a character, you know, a costumed character. He's only he's only small. And he's also the mascot at Man City as well. So he does loads of, oh. of character, co costume character stuff. But I cast um, uh, Panto for this Christmas. We should have been doing it now, but um, in Blackpool on the North yeah. Pier. And, and he did an ugly and someone really tiny. And he just was popped up in my head. Someone I worked Someone I worked with 25 years ago. So, you know, you never forget a good people, good people. Do you? Oh, yeah. Pantos. I know that you were affected by it a lot, but you um, you <clears> went <throat> out on tour. So that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was really lucky. I got asked to cast the Panto in Blackpool. And then they said to me, you know, you, you live in Blackpool. Why don't you direct it too? So I was like, yeah, I might as well. I, I'll cast it. I'll direct it. It's 20 minutes from my home. And then we we got everybody settled and we hadn't got a fairy godmother. And I said, do you know what? <laughs> I'm the kind of director who would want to be there every night anyway. I'm, Certainly I'm, under the I'm circumstances. A bit, I'm a little bit hands-on like that, a little bit control yeah. freak. So <laughs> why don't I just be the fairy godmother? Because she's only on stage for a third of it. I can still keep my eye on the rest of what's going on. And it was so, a one-woman yeah. panto as well. So there we go. <laughs> Boyfriend said it's a little bit like Little Britain, you know, wrote the theme too and sang the theme too. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, we were meant to be doing it, and then it got pulled because of Tier Three, and the producers didn't want to risk rehearsing on the off chance that we'd move to Tier yeah. Two. So yeah, I went off and played Mrs. Santa in a little TIE tour for uh, past week. Uh, I remember Tier Three all of three days ago. Oh gosh! <sighs> oh bless you all. It's it's almost like a bit. It's a bit like the full Yorkshireman sketch, isn't it? Oh, tier three. I re I remember tier three. <laughs> oh, it'll be like do you remember Grandad and Only Fools and Horses? And was it Uncle Albert? Always used to talk about the war. Oh, God. That'll be me when I'm eighty. Oh, we couldn't get toilet roll. Back hey. in the tier. Um. When I, I'm reverting back to the heartbeat of home again because it was, such a, it was such a massive thing for me to be given by Live Nation, that, that job. Great gig. It was only one role, it was a singer, but I, um, when, the, when my boss messaged me and said, right, John McColgan would like you to find a singer, crack on and do it. And I was like, this is me casting something in the West End and this is just mental mm. for me. Um, but... A girl came in that I'd called in. We, we were at Pineapple for the day. And she came in to do her song. And she walked over to the table and ignored the Riverdance team, came straight to me and said, 
I follow you on Instagram and I've seen some videos of you singing and you are absolutely amazing. Oh, uh, my God. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Which, which is adorable, Christopher. But I said, right. Oh, well, that, thank you so much. Let's crack on. Can we have your song? Oh, and wrong I just, time. I could, I could just... Yeah, just professionally, it wasn't great. <laughs> My bum's clenching at the thought of it a little bit now. <laughs> you know, professionally, it didn't look... I didn't want the team from Riverdance to even know I was a performer or anything to do with that, you know? Yeah, it's time It's time and a place, isn't it? That's a really, yeah. good, ex- that's a really good example. Because of... it muddy- sometimes when you do a lot of things... Someone said this to me the other day. When you do a lot of things, sometimes it muddies what you are. Yeah. If you're a director and a performer and a casting director and a, and a writer and a, a teacher and I do all of these things and sometimes pe- people don't really know what pocket to put me into. Yeah. And I didn't want John and the guys to, to, to know that side of me. I wanted them to know me as the casting director at that time. Yeah. And so when that young lady said that, very sweet, very lovely, but it was the absolute wrong time to say it and, and do yeah. that. That's a really good example of owning the context of the room and yeah. like we've this is such a good podcast to show that or rather episode this is a good yeah. podcast it's a good, <laughs> pod, it's a good episode for those people like us who do lots of different things like you said but own your time in the room don't worry mm. you know i don't, don't make it about anybody else if you're going no. in auditioning for mariah carey don't go and say i'm a really big fan go in there because she's looking for performers so yeah. if you go into a room and you know if you if you know them as friends or you know them off the telly or the stage or anything or you know you've auditioned for them a million times before if they invite conversation that's great yeah but go in and just be prepared to show them why they want you in the room or, or rather show them what they want for bringing you in the room and then afterwards you know drop them a message and say I'll love t- is I'll to tell see you <laughs> i'll tell you what was really surreal about that day though christopher I, before the people came in to, to meet us, I sat and chatted with John and Porig Moyles, who was the creative director of Riverdance. And we were chatting about the Pirate Queen because they, John produced it on Broadway with... Um, Stephanie J. Block. Stephanie J. Block, yeah, and Hadley Fraser, yeah? yeah. So they, John produced it on Broadway and um, Porig was in it as one of the, you know, the Irish dancers. And we chatted away about it for ages and ages. Um, and then in February, I made my West End debut in The Pirate Queen at the Coliseum um, as Evelyn, and John and Porig came to watch it. And we were in the party afterwards, and my boss from Live Nation took me over and said, John, Porig, it is Emma who cast Heartbeat of Home for you. She was she was just in Pirate Queen. You just and that John and Porig just couldn't they couldn't get their heads around. <laughs> they couldn't. It's it's a bit such a weird way that life works out, yeah. isn't it? That, you and know? it's but it's exactly as you said. It's okay to like put lots of different hats on, but own yeah. the hat that you've got on at the time from Absolutely. from the other side of it. So yeah. the fact that you you were there and you were in that mindset, if someone else didn't allow you then to continue as that by breaking it down and saying I follow you on Instagram, yeah, that's tricky for you. So. You you handled that perfectly. You just said, "Okay, let's yeah, just move just, on." Let's just, just thank you, but let's crack on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and after they leave the room, going, "I am amazing," just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, people don't they don't you know the client doesn't want to hear about you. They don't they're not interested in you yeah. as a performer. They've, they've hired you as a casting director. It's not your time, and that's is it? What they want, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a bit awkward. And and if she's if she does listen to this, because like, she probably might, because she follows me on Twitter and so, Instagram. So <laughs> and, and Instagram, you know, she was an absolute darling, and she did a beautiful audition. Yeah. But it's just a really, it's a really good little put a pin in those feelings. It's great to hear it, but make sure you say it the right time, the right time for you, not not even for you, Emma. The right time for you as a performer, or even say it to the runner outside, you know. You know, I've seen Emma. You know, I'll pass the message on or, or whatever. It's not for the table. It's not for that moment. You know, because you've got precious time in that room as well. So you don't want to be wasting fifteen seconds by no. talking about no. something that doesn't. Again, like like we've said, if you're a, the kind of casting director or, or in the presence of the kind of casting director that 
yeah. welcomes a, a social chat, that's great. Yeah. But don't don't lead with it. Don't Absolutely don't don't not. lead with that if you know you've only got five minutes and thirty two bars. Not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a specific type of show or production that you prefer to cast? Well, I've been really lucky when I when I so I've only really been doing this about four years. Obviously I started out at Cuff and Taylor Live Nation as an artist manager. So I looked after Calabro for four years. Mm -hmm. who Lovely I, boys. I adore. And um, Sheridan Smith for the two years, past two years, who is a delight. And AJ Brown, a wonderful piano vocalist who's toured with Lionel Richie and mm -hmm. Cliff. And, um, and the, the kiddies that I cast for BGT, um, that was probably my favourite project. But the casting kind of started from BGT asking us to cast the children. Mm -hmm. So we found five little boys from 500 Northern kids and put them together for, for B, to be on BGT. Um, and that's where my passion kind of started again for this. And then every time Live Nation or Cuff and Taylor needed anything casting, I would be straight in my boss's office and go, right, Peter, you're doing a Western Proms concert. Surely you need seven children to play the Von Trapp kid. <laughs> or, you know, maybe this, you know, Marisha was doing a tour, Marisha Wallace. I was like, surely Marisha needs choirs, <laughs> you know? So I ended up putting the choirs on Marisha's tour and, you know, backing vocalists on Sheridan's tour and all sorts of stuff like that. And videos for our artists and stuff. Um, children's casting is what I get the biggest buzz from. Um, a couple of years ago, we put 52 children's choirs onto Calabro's 52-date tour. That's 1,700 kids. That's um, a lot, isn't it? That's a lot of admin, a lot of kids. But you love the admin, Emma. We've established that. I love the admin. Don't you I'm go complaining now because you, you've welcomed it yourself. Did you know, though, <laughs> sitting at the back of the theatre and watching 30 kids at, you know, the Palladium, Michael Xavier, so we always use Michael Xavier's MXM kids uh, for the London shows and to stand at the back of the Royal Albert Hall and watch those kids with Calabro is on the Royal Albert Hall stage is just something mm. amazing and I, I've been very lucky because I had dinner with Joe Hawes a couple of years ago who obviously looks after all the casting for Cameron McIntosh lovely Joe uh, to me she is just <laughs> like, we had dinner and I just fired questions at her like she must have been <laughs> like shut up Emma uh, to me she's the Willy Wonka of of children's casting like she is it and her body of work is something that I really aspire but yeah kids casting is my favorite it's what I would like to specialize in eventually um how do you go about um not necessarily safeguarding but that's always a really good word how do you go about differentiating adult casting processes to casting processes with children then so that there it's it's not overwhelming for them and it's a little bit more I, I suppose try and keep it a bit more relaxed so that it's not too intense is there anything that you do specifically um during that process even if it's for a large-scale choir that you use maybe theater schools or something for yeah with regards to the bgt process i knew that those kids were going to be going through the most intense it's crazy isn't it uh, process of their lives you know and we didn't tell them what the project was to start off with. Okay. We just said we wanted five boys and we, you know, put it out under the Cuff and Taylor Live Nation brand. So anybody who was savvy enough to Google Cuff and Taylor Live Nation will know the, you know, how Your background. that how massive that company is. Anyone who Googled me would have known that I worked with Calabro. So they, a lot of the mums and dads after the event told us they thought their children were auditioning to be a mini collabro for a video, pop video or something like that. We didn't really tell them until we'd got whittled it down to the last 30 kids. We started off with self-tapes. We got them all to send in electricity from Billy Elliot and a little tour of their home, their favourite toy. The, 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 the boys were 10 to 12 years old. So just a little video of them chatting to camera about who they were and what they liked to do and just dead relaxed and then we brought them in for a fun day where we saw them individually but we had we, we made it really relaxed and casual it was a lovely I fun team that. and then we brought them back another day we brought them into Manchester and we did like a games day you know playing games and putting them in little groups and making them sing in little groups and all the, all the parents who fed back said it was just fun 
I like that. I um, like that a lot. And it's I think that's really refreshing to hear that there are processes like that and like yours that keep them as relaxed as possible. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I teach um, a lot of little kids um, singing and Lambda and stuff. And a lot of them who've been through the process of School of Rock and Matilda and Charlie and all of that stuff, they all feed back that it's a nice, calm um, process. Yeah. Yeah, so I think... I, I like the I like the comfort and the um, and the care of the children's casting world. I like I like I like that side of it. I, I'm a parent myself. I'm a grandparent. Um, I like to look after kids in that way. Do you think then that the adult casting process, whether it's for you know for loads of different things, do you think that that should now, especially after the pandemic, look towards Operating a, a little bit more a bit, like a that, a bit more then. gentler, a bit, a bit more gentler, a bit kinder. Well, um, it, 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 in that way, I mean, you've got people like the Pearsons who are the rock stars oh. of, of casting. I mean, they've couldn't, they can't do enough for me. Pearson, you know, when I, Pearson are going to be on the show very soon, don't you? Oh, you, you have to, James and Rosie. When I've got a question, or I need somebody, and they might know who it is, they took me out for drinks, and again, just like Joe Hawes, they let me fire question after question at them, you know, when I was first starting by myself. So, um, yeah, they have kind of spread this umbrella of, it doesn't have to be formal, it doesn't have to be as strict. It can, you can get the best out of people by being kind. And I kind of like to follow that path too, you know? Um, I always tell people yes or no, always. Mm. Um, because I've been, you know, harping back to my my lameness experience from 23 years ago. You know, I got down to the final two um, for one of the roles, and and I never ever I didn't have an agent. Oh, you're still on a heavy and... pencil, Emma. You're still on a heavy pencil. I know. Like, where I should? Where's my wig? <laughs> it's crabbed yeah. off. Sorry, Get love. Me in that <laughs> um, well, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe the phone call came through and my mum never passed on the message. I don't know, but I never, I, I mean, I know that it's a different time then. There was no social media. There was no emailing as such like there is now. It was all done by ringing my mum's home phone, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all my sheet music came through the post oh, for wow. my recalls. So, I mean, yeah, I never ever got to find, I had to ring the office myself and say, and speak to a receptionist and say, look, am I... And she said, no, you, you're not, you're not through. And for people, especially in this day and age where mental health is such a massive, massive, after the year we've had, it's yeah. even more important that people find out yeah. if they're through or not, you know? It's, it was getting there, it but getting there's always before. always room for improvement on it. And, yeah. I, th- and yeah. I think that's, that's why I thought I'd ask you, because I think going forward, after quote unquote, all this, as he yeah. generally gestures into the abyss. Um, I, I hope so. I hope so. There's a I there's a lot so. of there's a lot of graduate. Let's face it. We might go through two graduate classes before any of them have even got back to any kind of regular auditions like we were before. Because absolutely, it ain't going to be re- You know, things no. aren't going to be back to normal until no. well after next August. Um, mm. There's going to be two graduate classes that are out together, still looking for their first audition together. Yeah, that's that toll that it's going to have taken certainly on this last summer's graduates is is a I think lot. Though, in in pardon me, my iPad's making noises. Um, <laughs> I think in in some respects though, this year's graduates, you know, uh, I'm I'm using the word umbrella a lot because it's raining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> umbrella of of people are now so especially on social media are so firmly fixed in my psyche. Yeah, that's a good point. Because of the, all of the opportunities they've been given after hours West End, and you know, you know, all these wonderful online concerts and and outdoor concerts that have been safely put on. Like, I mean, there's there's so many names in my head of of people who've graduated this year, that, and and I look at their picture and I know their name immediately now. That's good to and hear. And that would that would not have happened last year or the year before. And, may, and maybe it would if I was a more established. 
um, casting director and I was, because, you know, I'm only just starting by myself this year. Mm. You know, you get invited to all the showcases and all of that malarkey, don't you? And you get to meet them there. But I think this year, and it should be a thing, it should be every single year, there should be a big celebration of grads, yeah. whether we're in a pandemic or not. An online celebration, a theatre celebration, wherever, every year there should be some huge thing where they all maybe come together i don't i don't know yeah a, a big concert somewhere i don't know it but should become part of the fabric bod, of, of part, the, yeah yeah part of the very fabric that's a great one <laughs> part, part of the very fabric of the audition process that yeah. every year grads don't just get opportunities in the room but get opportunities to showcase themselves yeah. even more than just a three minute monologue at a, uh, an agent's day or something yeah I've, because I've, it, the wide, the wider psyche of the musical theatre or the theatre or the comedy world need to meet you. Yeah. Not just meet you when you've got a job, meet you so you can show what you can do now. And so they can follow your online projects, whether you're releasing covers on YouTube, Instagram, you know, viral videos on socials. Build build that connection to these people so that you're, you know, yeah. you can show it's, yourself it's off. Ama- it's amazing how many, how many graduates like I'm their names i know that i i know their names and i i would spot their 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 photo and know what their name was now because of this pandemic that i probably wouldn't have done before so i've got one more story for you that was sent in by a listener this week um and this is from an actor who had an awkward dance commercial audition oh god that word again emma commercial (laughs) (laughs) that's the word word dance that's oh So put them together. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Go on. It's quite a long one, this one. I had an audition for a commercial that was going to be filmed and aired in Europe, and the breakdown was pretty simple. The scene was simply a family party, all enjoying each other's company. I wasn't told to prepare anything for the audition, because this was an audition, and it was ultimately just to see how people look on screen and to see who could blend as a family picture. The role I was seen for was the teenage daughter, despite being in my early 20s. I was extremely used to going to auditions for teen roles, and it usually works in my favour considering I'm over the licensing age, but can still look quite young. So I showed up at the venue and noticed that I was the only actress there who didn't bring their mum. God. (laughs) Every other girl was genuinely around the age of 16. Not a problem. But it was very interesting to notice the uncomfortable vibe in the room. Not from the girls but from the ultimate stage mums who were glaring at the other auditionees, whispering into their daughter's ears, then laughing. I actually felt quite embarrassed for a lot of them and quite sad that that's the ugly start they're getting into the performing industry. Anyway, it came to my audition slot and there was one man running the audition in an empty room with a camera set up so he could tape. He was so lovely and really made you feel at ease. Then he explained what I had to do. I had to pretend as though I was at a party and he would be shouting directions at me of what actions to take. Sounds pretty simple. Mm. He turned to a speaker and started playing the song Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Not sure if this made it more or less awkward. (laughs) In hindsight, background music was probably extremely helpful. He then told me to dance. So I awkwardly tried to dance on my own and tried to put aside any inhibitions as I tried to move as I thought any young person would at a family celebration. Oh, gosh. Basically, I wasn't going to start doing corner work because it didn't <laughs> seem appropriate or realistic. Yeah. Then came a specific direction. Receive a drink, drink some of the drink, put it down. All of which were fine. A little bit weird, but fine. Then he said, so your grandma has just come over and wants to dance with you. Dance with your grandma. I tried to quickly visualise how tall this grandma would be and pretended to have a dance with this imaginary pensioner. This went on for a minute or so before he shouted, now your younger sibling has come over and wants to dance with you. So then I started dancing with an imaginary six-year-old, pretending to spin them around and have random snippets of conversations while still fully aware that I was just dancing alone with my imaginary family in an empty room with a guy and a camera. Awkward. (laughs) I I danced the entire length of the song. (laughs) God. <laughs> it's a long song. Send my thank yous and goodbyes. And I left thinking, this really is the life of an actor. <laughs> the whole thing was a cringe fest. And although oh. I didn't get the job, I do have to thank the guy that ran my audition because it could have been way worse. Gosh. <laughs> I love it. That's so simple. That's so and- bad, though. When you have to 
act with nobody. Two lots yeah. of nobody as well. <laughs> if you, like, if you pitch that to... grandma too short and then you get in another one, that person's going to be right down to the floor, bless her, that six-year-old. I mean, how tall is a grandma generally? Well, how tall is an imaginary grandma? Who knows? I don't know. There's a tagline. I, I, I once had to flirt with an invisible Gethin Jones for Holland and Barrett casting. <laughs> and the feedback that came back afterwards was that I was a little bit too carry-on film. Okay. Well, put the real one in front of you and see what happens. That's all <laughs> yeah. the matter. Well, that wouldn't be an issue, Christopher. That wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> uh, but gosh, no. Yeah, yeah. Dancing with with invisible people, that's tough, isn't it? Oh, it's... I commercial castings used to be my downfall. We've told loads of them on the show, and I, it it's just because they're sometimes absolutely mad, yeah, and sometimes they're so straight down the line that one thinks they need to kind of envelop the situation a bit, or, yeah. or you know, evolve what they actually want to give them some yeah. options, and actually, all they want is you to pick up a pen and go, huh, that's what they want, yeah, yeah, but you don't they think just of want that simple. No, you and, just want to. It's, you know, you're, you're trained to show exactly who you can be at every step. And all they want yeah. is you to literally drink from a can. It's but you've travelled an hour to get there. Yeah. Waited half an hour yeah. in there. Yeah. To dance Let four and a half an minutes. <laughs> Let me do an interpretive dance and a, yeah. a couple of belty numbers for you oh, while I'm dear. here. No, I, no we, we, we just want you to eat the sandwich, Steve. That's okay. <laughs> I like not, that. I, I have not actually done many commercial auditions to just two in my life and that was that was enough for me <laughs> that was that was enough no no I'm, I, turned I'm fine, up, thank I you. turned up for one which was a, an, an audition for a bus Scottish bus company and they wanted a, a, a female bus driver who was um you know a curvy lady who could sing um you know greatest love of all but the words are changed to, I believe the buses are the future. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. So I rocked up in my taxi <laughs> at this place and just getting out of her car in front of me to go in before me was Olivier Award winning Leanne Jones. Oh, lovely Leanne. Lovely Leanne. And I just thought to myself, oh, my Christ. I've got to go in after Olivia. Yeah, don't Award. let that put you Olivier off. Olivia Award winning Leanne Jones. But yeah, but, but I mean, back in the day, that was like, for me, it was a big deal. I was like, Ugh. I believe the bus is on a Yeah, yeah. It was great. And I did the audition. Mix I had some green mad. and let them lead the way. <laughs> well, you can find it on YouTube. I didn't get it. <gasps> well, I'm on it now. I am on it right now. <laughs> but anyway, afterwards, the casting team said I'd done a really good job, but they were quite amused that I pocketed everybody's money. <laughs> so I had to mind people getting on and off the bus and take their money and seeing while I was taking the money and all their money went in my pocket, all their imaginary money. <laughs> you just don't think about those things when you're trying to remember the words to a Whitney song about buses. To finish the show, yeah. and this is this is where I love having casting directors on. Ooh. We always ask our performer guests what their audition addition would be. So something that they'd like to add to the process of the auditioning world to make it more enjoyable, more relaxed, just chilled, a bit more fun and yeah. a bit more friendly. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you that, but I'm also going to ask you as a casting professional, mm -hmm. is there something that you would like to remove from the casting process to make it better for everyone and flow better? Well, I'm going to give probably the same answer that SJP gave when she was on here. My absolute pet peeve is people bailing yep bailing the day before or on the morning of day of yeah um oh it's so it's so it's it's like a knife in you as a casting director every email or call that comes in to say that person is not coming when you know that person is an absolute gem yeah that is a shame that, that isn't it person is a candle is the is one of the candles on the cake of your day you know, and that candle's gone out and and you know you you've been tasked with putting a certain amount of people in front of that team that day in front of that client and this is one of the tricks that Pearson, the Pearsons told me when when I was bombarding them with questions always have two people for every time slot as as as, as much as you can because during that day someone or a few you're going to mm. lose them um, yeah, that's that's the hardest part of this job for me when I lose someone who I know 
could could have viably got this could, job. Could have done it, yeah. And also, yeah. they've cost someone else the time. They've cost someone else the opportunity to be seen by you, yeah. which is which is so disrespectful to your fellow performer in the, exactly the same position as yeah. you. Yeah. And also, sometimes you'll say, oh, the, the, the agents will, will email in and say, my, my client can't come because they are unwell. And then if you go back to them and say, no problem, can we see them on such a day when they're perhaps feeling better and it still comes back a no, you know that they didn't want to probably do the audition in the first place. Yeah. So, it was, it, so, the, so the illness is probably a fib. Yeah, you'd be caught out there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So Uh, that's what you'd like to get rid of. Is there anything that you'd like to... Well, I think we'd all like to get rid of that. Is there anything that you'd like to add to the process as a performer to make it a bit more enjoyable, a bit more fun? We've had a lot of gin said. I'll give it a lot lot of booze. Hip flasks Um, was a good one. I like that. (laughs) I think sometimes maybe a touch more prep time. That's a good one. I don't think we've had that before. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible. I, I had a weekend to cast an advert for Live Nation a couple of weeks ago, Friday to Monday, and I had to get nine people. And I had people self-taping stuff yeah. in a day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed about that, really, because I, you know, that should never happen. But I was on, su- with the commercial stuff, you're on such a tight deadline often. Um, but for musical theatre... Or te- you know, or tele script work. It would be nice to have a touch more time. But I get, I get it. I've been on the other side. I understand casting directors often just get the the, the tightest deadlines to get stuff. But I like that. Out. In an in an ideal world, more time to prep is such a useful and tangible thing to add to the audition process. That might be one of the more useful ones that we've had. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that treat yourself after the audition is a bad thing. I'm not saying that tell each other a secret before you go in to break the boundaries is, isn't a good thing either. Even yeah. even all the way back in episode two, Alex's panic button, which gets mentioned every week. <laughs> panic button. I I like that because it shows that sometimes it can be a little bit off putting if you're given three different songs and scenes and stuff yeah. to learn yeah. and you've only got two days or even the yeah. night before learn this thing. Yeah. In an ideal world, we'd all have two weeks with the material, make sure we could do as much research as possible. If it's a cast that exists, see how you're going to fit into it, et cetera, et cetera. Go and see the show if it's a show that's yeah. on, if yeah. you can, if you're able to. So that, I think that's a really good one. And that's a really useful thing to add to the But you know, process. that is an ideal world situation. Oh, absolutely ideal world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ideal world. In a realistic world, just an extra hour, that helps. That really helps. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> And that was this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You with the brilliant Emma Norman. I'm actually recording this outro uh, (laughs) in a different year than we recorded the episode. Oh, that was such a lovely chat. And I love having casting directors on the show, especially when they're still, uh, in some respect, active performers too. Because it just shows the balance of where things can happen in auditions. And it doesn't just happen to performers. Things can be classed as a mishap when you are a casting director as well and hopefully that just disintegrates any of those stresses and anxieties you may get if something goes wrong in an audition and if you're not a performer shows you it happens all the time all the time now we have some brilliant guests coming up this year for don't call us we'll call you and we need your help we need to reach as many people as possible we absolutely love it seeing new people listening to our show so your job as our listeners is to share this show with two people that you know have never listened to the show on social media tag us at don't call us pod on twitter or instagram and tell them they should listen share a clip of our show we've got some clips on instagram or head to spotify and share the link of the show to your instagram story so they can listen straight away we love seeing that you're being supportive of the show and it really means the absolute world and on that note i am pleased slash slightly nervous to say that a lot of you have asked how you can financially support the show and if we were going to do any kind of Patreon or anything like that. Well, we have decided to set up a place where you can buy us a coffee, effectively uh, kind of tip the show to say thanks for the 28 plus hours of, of content that you've done during lockdown. So we've set up a Kofi page. I'll put the link in our description of the episode. And it basically is a site that you can chuck us a, a the price of a coffee to say, hey, thanks. Thanks for giving us a laugh and thanks for 
putting work into the show. It wasn't something we planned to do. It certainly wasn't something that we thought of. But enough of you have asked that we thought, well, OK, well, that's very kind of you. Um, we can at least facilitate it and, and give you that opportunity. And it is appreciated more than I can possibly tell you. Um, it, it was a little bit overwhelming seeing so many people ask. Uh, maybe it was the festive spirit. But we're going to 2021 and now we have a Kofi page. So it's ko-fi.com forward slash don't call us pod. And any funds go towards making the show sound and look better. Uh, I really thank you very much if you can. Don't worry if you can't. If you can't, we're not asking you to. We're just giving you the option if you have already asked about it. As you can see, I don't deal well with praise. Uh, so so I really appreciate <laughs> you all offering. Next week, we have the fantastic Rob Madge. Now, if you don't know who Rob is, Rob is one of the kings of lockdown theatre content. He has made some incredibly funny and accurate videos about the theatre process and the episode is already recorded. I can tell you it's very, very funny. So get subscribed to the show on your podcast platform of choice if you haven't already. And we will see you next Friday for another episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. Remember, pop a little re uh, review in the Apple Podcast Store. Tag us on Twitter and Facebook if you've enjoyed the show. And we will see you for a new episode next week. Make sure you stay safe. Wash your hands. Please wear your mask. And remember, stay indoors because you're in lockdown. Don't call us. We'll call you. Goodbye. Sometimes you don't realise that you're auditioning, you know? Sometimes you could do a live on Facebook or sing in a, on an online concert or perform, it, um, you know, above the stag in a concert or you could do whatever and you do not know who is watching you in that yeah. moment. I sang, I went on a, on a cruise with Calabro and Sheridan. I clocked off, I went up to the cocktail bar, I sang at the piano and Tom Gribby, the producer of Parrot Queen, was at the back of the room and he saw me perform and put me in Parrot Queen. There we go. So I didn't even know I was auditioning. I had had 82 gins and I sang He's My Boy and he ended up on, on the Coliseum stage next to Rachel Tucker. So so were you hammered when you did the show as well just to make it sound the same, is it? No, I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, then I think it was a, it was some kind of adrenaline, but it certainly wasn't gin. Gin afterwards, um, yeah. But that's what I mean. You never know who is in the audience, Christopher. You, you never know who's watching you. Yeah, it's so ever, true, isn't it? Ever, I didn't know he'd be in that in that audience watching me that night. And well, look what it meant me, to. You worry me about who's listening to the show now. Oh God. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> If you've got a story that you'd like to send into the show that we'll share with our guests completely anonymously, then make sure you email it to us, don'tcalluspod at gmail.com. Whether it's an embarrassing story from an auditionee or you're a casting professional and something crazy happened in an audition that you need to tell us about, we'll share it, we'll make them all anonymous, so email them to don'tcalluspod at gmail.com.